This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. Sal, thank you for calling in. My pleasure. All right, MH370. Uh, what ha- what what has changed now? They're calling off the search. What have they found, and what did they not find? Well, after three years of covering this story, I feel like I own the airplane for for crying out loud, and I've never flown it. Um, but we we found so little, um, and I think we are at the point where we were probably my third day of covering this with Bill Hammer at Fox News, uh, he asked me, are we ever going to find this thing and how long is it going to take? And I said, well, we'll find it when we start looking in the right place. And we still haven't started looking in the right place for it. And of course, now they're, they're terminating the search because they're running out of money and they've, they've spent a ton of money looking in the wrong places. Is there a place that you think they should have? Been? Where have they been searching? I mean, I, have, I haven't talked about this on the show really since the, probably the month that the plane disappeared. So it's been quite a while. They're calling off the search now. Where have they been primarily looking? Well, they've been primarily looking in the South Indian Ocean. That's not where they started the search. They immediately started the search where they knew it wasn't, which was immediately after takeoff, just coming up over the uh, the Thailand Sea. Uh, the plane disappears from radar, so they start looking there. Of course, that's not where the plane was. Um, then they get these these parameters that they started to use to try to analyze where the plane may have gone down. And they came up with a very convoluted formula that put them in the South China Sea, about a thousand miles west of Australia. Well, the plane could not have been there or could have been in a million other places. But that was like shooting a dart at a wall and saying maybe it's in this in this particular area. Um, They assumed a lot of information. They assumed the airplane never lost altitude prior to to, to running out of fuel and crashing. Uh, It was at flight level 350, which is 35,000 feet. And they assumed it stayed there for whatever reason. Um, Had that plane descended to 5,000 feet, obviously we're looking two or 3,000 miles different footprint than than we would have been otherwise. They've spent, I see here Bloomberg reporting on this, $135 million to try to find this plane. They have not been able to find the plane. They've not been able to find it. I think everybody listening who's not familiar with aviation or or any of the way that these things function, I'm one of them. I, I don't know much about this stuff at all. Uh, thinks, isn't there, you know, there's GPS on your car, there's the black box on this. I mean, how can they not find, you know, what what would be the usual ways they'd find a plane and why have they not been able to use those? Yeah, well, let's let's just start with the fact that not all all airlines and not all countries are are created equal. Um, Had this been an American-based airline, this would not have been a problem as it was, at least not to this extent. Um, American-based airlines all subscribe to this device called ACARS. And ACARS stands for Aircraft Communication and Reporting System. And it basically is a satellite-based system that takes a signal from the aircraft and plots it and, and actually tells you everything about what's going on in the, in the aircraft. I had a, a captain of a, of a 777 tell me once, if I flip a switch on a circuit breaker, it knows and the ground knows. Um, unfortunately, Malaysia didn't want to spend that kind of money on their equipment, so they didn't have this full system. They had a version of ACARS. But that version only 
interrogated the aircraft, the electronics on the aircraft, every 30 minutes. And that's what's so surprising about this crash, because whenever we investigate an aircraft crash, we look through a timeline first. That's most important. And what was so important about this one was things happened in almost a sequence, as if somebody was doing it in a cockpit, a sequence of failures of various communications devices with the ground. So whether they had ACARS or not, it's, it's, it's doubtful that it would have helped a whole bunch if someone on board was actually turning these things off. There were 239 people on board this flight from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing, Sal. What do the governments involved in this search and what does Malaysia Airlines tell those 239 families happened here? What is the official storyline? Well, they they gave them some comfort money to to try to make it better, $3,000, if you can believe that. Um, and of course, under the under they the gave them three thousand uh, dollars a person. That's three thousand wow. dollars American dollars in, in comfort oh my God. money. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, and under the under the laws, the the international aviation laws, they can uh, be entitled to some compensation, usually up into the range of one hundred uh, seventy five thousand dollars. Again, very very small payment for what they've lost, unfortunately. Um, but what, what, not only what they lost, but what does the aviation community lose? We lose the fact that we, we try to make aviation so safe, and it is, by the way. It is humongously safe. Um, but we spend millions and millions of dollars in this country. Anytime a plane goes down, figuring out every little minutia of why it went down to keep it safe. And so when something like this happens that we can't explain, it just makes aviation, it, it sets aviation back a bit, and especially the aviation from that country, Malaysia Airlines now out of business and, and reformed under a new business. But still, uh, that airline certainly uh, took a, a huge loss out of prestige from this. But the entire aviation community takes a loss because people look at that airplane crash and say, it could happen to me. Now, Sal, I know you don't know because nobody knows. So I'm not trying to, to force you to give us an answer that's impossible here. But what is the most plausible theory of what happened to flight MH370 in your mind? If you had to come up with one series of events that happened, and I know you're not saying it did, but if you had to come up with one, what's the most likely in your estimation? Well, we've been we've been looking at this for a long time, and if you, if you know the NTSB works, they, they look for the probable cause. They never are 100% sure. But when you look at the probable cause of this of this aircraft crash, you're thinking either something in the cargo bay, somebody on the crew, one of the passengers got into the cockpit, or a, a, a mechanical problem like hypoxia or a power interruption. Over the, over the three years now that I've been covering this thing, um, the power interruption certainly did not happen because we had power all the way through this flight for seven and a half hours. Hypoxia would not have caused the aircraft to turn. So, so that I've ruled out early on because the aircraft was on autopilot. It would have continued on autopilot all the way to Beijing. wouldn't have landed itself, but it could have gotten there. Um, so you had two passengers on board the aircraft with stolen passports. That has never been explained. And you had a crew that the captain, at least, the 53-year-old captain, actually had a flight simulator in his house. And while the Malaysian government told us nothing was suspicious on that flight simulator, the FBI got a hold of the hard drive and found different. They found the actual path of the aircraft somewhat into the South Indian Ocean uh, months and months later. So foul play is the most likely scenario. I believe it. This is a nefarious act. I believed it 
uh, from early on in this in this investigation. And as more and more information comes in, it seems more and more likely. So now let's let me just play this out a little bit as 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 somebody who is an amateur on the outside, doesn't understand avionics. So uh, if it was that pilot, how could he have accomplished all of this and get us to this point where we still can't find the plane? He would have would he have known about some of the deficiencies in the tracking system? Would he have been able to knock everybody out on the plane with uh, by turning off uh, the, the oxygen? I mean, how could he have gone about this? Well, he could have gone about it very, very systematically, and, and the evidence supports that. Uh, if you look at the aircraft that left from Kuala Lumpur, about 30 minutes later, it, he gives a normal handoff to Ho Chi Minh radar, which is the next radar that would have picked him up. In that small gap, there's about an eight-minute gap where no radio signal is going to be heard because they're out of range of both of the, of the two radar units. In that little gap, if you want to believe in coincidences, that's where everything starts to fail. The ACARS gets turned off. Two different transponders on board the aircraft get turned off. And now the aircraft starts to make a turn to the left, and some military radar picks up the aircraft starting a turn to the left, then another turn to the left, and then one going due south. And it remains on that southerly course for the entire remainder of the flight. Now, the military people didn't tell us this right away because Thailand radar didn't want to let everybody know they were watching air traffic. Um, But if we knew that earlier on, that might have helped a little bit. But the fact of the matter that the aircraft did not remain on autopilot and started making cautious turns all the way around to the south and then fly straight ahead to some point in the South Indian Ocean where we believe it is, um, it tells me that somebody on board was doing this consciously. So somebody was driving this plane. Yeah. You're, you're confident in that. There was some person in control of the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so you know, just... if, if it's a hypoxia situation where you say, well, both pilots were, were disabled, well, then the plane stays on autopilot and it continues going where it was going, which was Beijing. Is it feasible? And again, I'm I'm am just throwing this out there as this is sort of like uh, you know spy novel time. You know, this is something that somebody would come up with, but maybe one pilot somehow disables, maybe just you know attacks and kills the other pilot with some weapon he's brought on board. So that pilot's out. He locks the door, flips off the oxygen for the rest of the of the cabin, right? And then and then does all the rest of the stuff. Is is that all at least possible? I'll tell you why it's all possible, and I think you should do the screenplay, and I'll do the music for it. <laughs> okay, I mean, because I, look, just, I just still, you can't I, make I never up, thought it, when it this, when true. this broke, Sal, I never thought we'd be here three years later, they're calling off the search and like, yeah, we just never found this thing. It's yeah. a jumbo jet with almost 300 people on board. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, you know, everybody kept asking the same question. When are we going to find it? When are we going to find it? Uh, with so little information and, and, and it's almost in, you can only almost anticipate that this was going to happen as we got into it because Things just kept changing. The information that was being given out just kept changing. And, and you go to the recent, the more recent uh, finding of that, of that flapper on, which is a part of the airplane that they think was found at Reunion Island in July of uh, 2015. Um, they pick up that, that thing, and, and, and Malaysian Airlines says, okay, it's ours. It's from that plane. The plane crashed. And then the French government says, well, wait a minute, not so fast. It's a, it's a flapper on, but we don't know where it's from because – there are no serial numbers and there are no maintenance numbers on the thing. Well, why are there no serial numbers and maintenance numbers on this? Did somebody put that there, or did they wear off in the, in the ocean? And that's up to conjecture. Sal Agonia is an aviation attorney and analyst on Fox News. He's been covering MH370 
uh, since the very beginning. LagoniaLaw.com is his website. Sal, if uh, they ever find this thing, come back on and tell us what happened, all right? Be happy to. I hope they do. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 